The J&J Podcast. I'm Jeff Day. John Colford. Yes, veteran missionaries. Or your current missionary, right, John? Yes, sir. Uh, eight years full-time and going back and forth for the last four years. Malawi effort. I'm Jeff Day. Eight years in the little village of Caltag in Alaska, located on the Yukon River. We are coming to you from the heart of Alaska at the Intru Studio in Fairbanks. Amen. Well, we have the privilege of being here with... Uh, Eric Curtis and John Fulford, Ta-da. who's uh, <laughs> leaving and abandoning us. Oh, come on. Okay, so you're moving. Retiring? I thought missionaries couldn't retire. What's well, going on Well, here? no. Well, actually, we're we are going to visit churches and be the face of Bible Baptist Africa Ministries. But instead of having the baton death march of deputation, we're only going to visit a church every six weeks or so. And that way, to try to raise more support for Brother <laughs> Curtis and family. The baton death march. Yeah, I, yeah, like, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are you buying this? <laughs> oh, come on. I'm with you. I'm with you. Really? You've been there. Now, that's what we do on this podcast. We bring it real. You know, it's, it's like. Tell me, tell me you love deputation. <sighs> yeah, there we go. That's, that says it all. Yeah, and I, and I say only crazy people do it twice, <laughs> which is exactly what we're doing now. How about a brief synopsis? I was able to listen to your uh, presentation last night, uh, but how about just a brief synopsis of what you're doing and where you're going and how you're filling in for him and just give it to sure. us. Sure. So, you know, we were in Ukraine for seven years. God moved us when the war started to the pastorate in South Central Virginia. I pastor there for the past seven years and... You know, we always had a sense in our hearts that God might put us back in missions. We just didn't know when that would be. And I really thought my kids would be raised in that good church first um, before he called us out. But we've always had a surrendered heart. And we came to our first meeting coming through COVID, and it was a missions conference. It's the highlight of our church's year. And uh, sure enough, uh, when the, the uh, missionary preacher got up there and shared his slides for the field of Africa— uh, God just did a work in our hearts, confirmed that He was wanting us to go. So we just stepped out by faith and and started, you know, uh, on the way to Africa. You know, uh, we we prayed about it, and you know, Africa is a big place. We, you know, God specifically impressed upon our heart uh, Malawi as I prayed over a map. And um, I I like to tell folks, you know, in Nehemiah two, it says that Nehemiah uh, God put in his heart to go back and build that wall, and God just put in our heart to go to this place we have no no idea about. And, um, you know, oftentimes I felt like Abraham, where it says he went forth not knowing whither he went, because we stepped out by faith to go, never having seen it before, uh, just knowing God was calling us to go to that place, not even knowing about Brother John at that time, just knowing God wanted us to go. And God had put in our hearts to, you know, to evangelize, disciple, and plant churches, and to train national pastors, and really exactly what he is doing and has been doing in Malawi is what God had put on our hearts to do. And we didn't know how God would put all the pieces together, but as we stepped out by faith um, and started deputation, then God allowed us to get into contact with one with another. And he, you know, he shared with me, well, we've been praying for four years for God to raise somebody up to, to take this spot. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, it just, God made it so very apparent that, you know, he called us out from that ministry in Virginia at this very specific time because God was bringing him back and God needed someone to stand in the gap there in Malawi to keep that work going. Man, wow. 
Oh, let's back up a second here. So you were a missionary in Ukraine. Yes. Yep. Hang on, hang on, before we run off with that one, because Ukraine okay. seems, seems to be the hot thing these days. Sure. Um, wife, kids, let everybody know. Oh, yes. I have a kids. wife and six children. Okay. Wife and six children? Yes. Six children? Six. All oh, these missionaries, they always have a lot of kids. You notice that? I don't blame <laughs> <them>. <laughs> Wife and six children. How about some names? How long have you been married? Okay, so we've been married 20 years, and um, my wife's name is Jessica. Uh, then our our children is Anna, Lydia, Samuel, Daniel, Abigail, uh, or Samuel, Daniel, Abigail, and Mercy. <laughs> you don't you don't ask me. I, the birth I know things, it. I know it. I know it. <laughs> I know where to draw the line. I was impressed with that one. <laughs> Amen. So you were a missionary in Ukraine, Ukraine, and then right. you say when the war broke out, then you died. Yeah. So in- you know, a lot of people don't realize, and they may, having listened to your podcast, I'm not sure what how much you guys have covered on this, but um, war in Ukraine started in 2014. Right. And we were in one of the localities that was very close to some of those things that were happening. We stayed about six months after uh, the stuff happened. In fact, we had things being that had been blown up within miles of our house. And uh, we had everybody asking us, you know, our parents, our pastor, our uh, mission director at the time was all asking, when are you going to come home? And we said, well, we just don't have peace to do that. But when we hit that six-month mark, God just removed all peace and made it clear we need to get out of there. And so I bought plane tickets that night wow. that God uh, made it clear to us. And we got out of there the next day um, just with what we could pack in a bag. Uh, we did eventually have uh, another man go over there and try to continue that ministry for a little while. And so we we left everything we had there, our car and the buildings and stuff that we had purchased for the church and our home, and uh, with the goal of that continuing. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the folks that were there have scattered for various reasons. Right. Some because of the war situation. Some have passed on. Uh, some have just moved around for different various other reasons. How long were you there? We were there about seven years. Wow. Yeah, well, we have some very close friends yeah. and, and some people that we've led to Christ, and they still keep in contact with us. And, you know, it's hard. It's a rough it, you know, yeah. uh, they're going through some very extreme things with bombs falling. You know, they're feeling, at the least, they're feeling the rumblings in their buildings on a day-by-day basis. You know, one of the ladies was telling my wife the other day that she had uh, was going to get some documents done at one of the governmental buildings, and she forgot something at home, turned around and went back, and then when she... She went to go back to that building. She found out that a bomb had fallen on that building that she had planned on going to. And God, you know, God had spared her. Um, she, my wife told me the other day, and I didn't realize this, but uh, there's actually one of the uh, unexploded uh, missiles had fallen uh, on the street that we lived on. It was stuck in the road in front of our house. Um, and so, praise the Lord, it didn't explode, but I mean, just that's how close to home it hits, you know, where, wow. where we were at. Crazy, crazy. So now you were there for seven years. You came out, you were a pastor. Right. right. In, a, in a, which church? Where? Victory Baptist Church in Sutherland, Virginia, South Central Virginia. And you pastored there for how long? About seven years. <laughs> yep. The number of completion coming keeps coming around it here. It keeps coming around. <laughs> you know, maybe the Lord will give me 70 years in Malawi. I don't know. That's that pushing 110 might be a little much. Because oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm 40 now. But. So you're so tell me how you bumped into John. Um really God did that. It's so, funny how he does You know, things. because I I had never met John before, you know, and when I was looking even for information about guys that were in Malawi, 
Um, I didn't even find his contact information, so I didn't even know he was there. Um, some of the other guys that I had co- contacted with, they knew about him and said, well, there's some guy from Alaska down in the southern part. <laughs> <laughs> That's how they describe some guy from Alaska. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, Brother Eric Bowman, who's the field director for BIMI uh, for uh, Africa, um, he had been to that uh, mission compound in southern Malawi where John had ministered. Um, and uh, he he knew a little bit about what was going on with John as well. And so they were trying to get a hold of one another, but somehow they'd lost contact information. And um, BIMI has a, uh, I don't know if it's like a youth meeting or what you want to call it. I think it's called Camp Me, where they have young people come in who are trying to find their place in missions. And Brother John's granddaughter had gone to that. And Eric Bowman, the field director for Africa, he saw her and he's like, oh, hey, hey, can I get your, you know, can I get Brother Fulford's information? I've been looking to try and contact him. And so after that happened, then he talked with John and, 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 uh, you know, was able to give me John's contact information. We got connected and God just made it so clear that God was putting these pieces together at this time for this reason. Yeah. To add a little color to the, I'll be the color commentator here. Go for it. (laughs) <laughs> because, uh, you know, it was in October of last year when um, when I was having a quiet time one morning and I, and, I, and I was planning on going over to Malawi in January and February. And I said, Lord, this is my last trip. You know how hard it is on me physically. It's just a terrible flight going to North Africa and from the U.S. and all this. And so I said, God, this is my last trip. I says, we've been asking, asking, asking and praying for somebody <laughs> to go there. It's your ministry. You love it more than I do. It's in your lap, you know. And the very next day, I'm at work at, over there at the electrical company, and I get this phone call from Eric Bowman, who I haven't heard from in three or four years. And he said, how you doing, Brother John? And we talked back and forth. He says, are you still praying and asking for a man to come to Malawi, take over that work? I said, yep. He says, I got a guy for you. <laughs> And so we talked about Brother Curtis, and I said, well, I'm not going to contact him until I talk to Pastor Duffett and get his counsel on this. So I, in fact, that same day, I set up an appointment, came over, talked to Pastor Duffett, and and we prayed, and he had peace in his heart, and so we just started communicating. Let me throw some more color at that, too, because I, 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 I've known you for a long time, Mr. Fulford, and <laughs> <laughs> I remember when you were going to Malawi, you would you sold everything out that you had. I did. And I remember you were having trouble selling your house. I did. And you were, you just right at the last minute, you just had, you were on your way to Africa and your house hadn't sold yet. Yes. So you took matters into your own hands. And well, you had to sell it yourself. Well, we did. Um, I, when we went over in 07 for a look-see, and we came back. I, I, I'm the kind of guy that gets my, likes to get my ducks in a row. <laughs> and so I, I had this all scheduled out. We'd sell our home, sell, sell the stuff we weren't taking, rent an apartment. Well, what I didn't know, that Darcy was praying that she could spend Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter in her own home. Oh, boy. Yeah. Messing y'all and up so, Yeah. So we, we went woman. through a realtor and... <laughs> It, it's a, it was a big house, you know, five bedroom, four bath, about 3,200 square feet. Very nice. Nobody looked at it. And I mean, the price was, was below 
the <laughs> list that, you know, what, what they could get for it. Not one soul. And finally, uh, right after Christmas, the realtor came. We had to renew the contract for the realtor. And he said, I'm, I'm not going to renew it. He said, nobody's looking at it. I don't know what the problem is. He said, <laughs> I just don't want anything to do with it. So I thought, get wow, this. you know, what am I going to do? So it was like in March, and we were leaving in June. And, uh, there was, of course, there's still snow around here. So I went out with a for sale by owner sign with my phone number. So I, <laughs> I stick it in the snow, and I hear a car drive up behind me. And I look, and here's this big, uh, like, a, like a big Cadillac. Okay. <laughs> and there was a, a gentleman sitting in it. And so I walked into the house, and my phone rang. And he says, uh, I understand you have a house for sale. And I said, uh, yeah, how, do you, how did you know that? He says, well, I'm looking at the sign. I said, I just put it out there. He says, yeah, I know, I watched you. <laughs> so I look out the window, and here's this guy standing by the car, talking on the phone. He says, can I see the house? And I said, uh, sure. Now, but let me backtrack a little. By that time, I knew that Darcy had been praying about staying in the house, where I was praying that God would sell the house. See so, the spiritual so, monster. <laughs> so that tells me that God loves Darcy more than yeah, I, mean, right. I wasn't going to go there, but since you did. <laughs> hey, the, the facts are the facts, okay? So the guy comes in, and this is true. The guy comes in, he walks through the, the front room and the dining room, and he looks in the kitchen family room area, and he says, I'll take it. <laughs> and I looked at Darcy, and I looked at him, and I said, you don't even know how much I'm asking. He said, okay, how much are you asking? I said, 292000 He says, okay, and he pulls out a checkbook. I says, whoa, 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 whoa. I says, wait a minute, you're going to write me a check? He says, yeah, I want the house. I says, don't you want to show it to your wife? He said, oh, no, my wife trusts me. I buy all of our houses. And I said, wait a minute. So you're not going through a realtor. You're not going through a bank. He says, no, I'll write you a check, and it's good. He said, good. You, you keep all the paperwork. You don't sign the house over to me until the check clears. And I said, well, wait a minute. We're, we're going to Africa as missionaries. We have to be in this house till the first part of June before we leave. He says, not a problem. I live in Anchorage. You can live here for free. I said, what? what's <laughs> going on here? <laughs> so he writes me the check, right? Hey. And I, I cash it, and it's good. <laughs> so I, I invest some with Dr. Valier, and I put the rest in the bank, you know. And, and, when we were getting ready to leave, I signed all the documents with a title agency to, to deed, right. deed the house over to him. <laughs> it was the funniest thing in the world. Uh, you know, and, and that was God. That a, was a, only amen. God. And another, another thing, remember I had that, uh, when Darcy and I got married, she still had five children at home. Right. I, I had one. So we needed a big car. And, and we went and sold her red Buick, which was a new car. And we bought that white Lincoln town car that was really in good shape. A little bit older, but it was great shape. I was trying to sell that for next to nothing just to get rid of it. Nobody, nobody would even call me. So finally, I, the day before we left for Africa, I brought the title over to the church. I signed it. I gave it to pastor. And I said, here, do whatever you want with it. I, I don't want it no more. <laughs> anymore. You know, I just don't want it. And so four years later, we come back uh, from the field for a, a year, you know, like they want you to do. And the pastor says, hey, here's your car back. <laughs> and they carried the insurance. It was still like it was when we gave it to them. And, you know, we drove it that whole year. 
it was kind of embarrassing going out because we went on six months of deputation. You know, it's really tough when you pull up to a church and you got a Lincoln Town Car, <laughs> and you know it looks like a big flash car. Come on, <laughs> yeah, it didn't go over. But wait, 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 wait a minute. Here. You know, this is your ministry, but it's not your podcast. Hang on a second oh. here. We're supposed to be doing a podcast with the missionary. Okay, All right. <laughs> that was a. I think it's quite awesome. God is in charge. I mean, all the time, right? In, in you say you had this Lincoln and you went out on deputation or visiting churches on furlough showing up in a Lincoln. Sure. Why not a Lincoln? Why not a Cadillac? Because they, they, they want missionaries to be poor. Hang on a second. Okay. Missionary that became a pastor is going back to be a missionary. <laughs> when you had missionaries calling you mm-hmm. and, and wanted to come present their work and were you, do you think you were more, how do I say it, sympathetic? To their cause? Well, definitely. I mean, <laughs> understanding. The, the sad thing is that there's a lot of pastors just won't even return phone calls. So you get an answering machine and it says, please leave your message. We'd be glad to get back with you as soon as possible. Oh, wow. And then you never hear back from anybody. Now, I can guarantee you if I said, boy, I'd really like to visit your church. Would you please give me a call back? Here's my number. And not told him I was a missionary. <laughs> I would have got called back real quick. So, you know, and I know pastors are busy. Is That's what it boils down to. Most guys are so busy, they just don't have time to deal with missionaries calling in. But, you know, the Great Commission is God's call upon all of us to get the gospel out. So You had to realize that you had to be torn yourself. You know, you being well, a missionary, and, and now you're a pastor, and right. what's the first thing? You know that guy's calling you for, for the main reason is he wants money. Well, and, and that's wrong. Come on. Okay. You know, uh, when a missionary is minded for money, they've got the wrong idea to begin with because deputation is a ministry. You're not out there looking to get money. Hang you on. Do, you hang on. Hang to on. Back up. You're saying deputation is a ministry. It's a ministry. And I'm just going to pause for a second here because there's a lot of missionaries that do not view it as a ministry. Well, they've got the wrong spirit then. Give it to us. Um, you know, and really, if I honestly believe if a missionary wants to succeed on deputation, they need to go into that church not looking on what they can get from it, but what they can give to it. That's uh, good. Looking for how they can be a blessing to that pastor, uh, to that church family. You have no idea what they're going through. Some of those pastors are going through tremendously difficult things. Come on. And they're looking for something. They're looking for someone to be a blessing and a help to them. And so, you know, we just go at it from that, a- that, that attitude, that perspective that, you know, if God leads them to support us and help us in our ministry, praise the Lord. God's going to raise our support because God has called us and wants us to go to Malawi. There's no, there's no if, ands, or buts about that. It's going to happen. Um, and so when we go there, you know, we're not trying to get from the church. We're trying to to give. We're trying to be a blessing. We're trying to serve and just help them the best we can. Can you give me some specifics? Help a missionary out. Some specifics about what he wants. You want them to to be able to give to that church, them to give missionaries to give as far sure. as, as far as reaching out, trying to help them. Tell, tell me how. Well, just go in there with a servant's heart. I mean, that works. look for, for ways to, to help ways to be a blessing. Jump in. I know we went to one church and uh, the pastor just got done with a um, wild game supper for a men's meeting type of thing. It works. And all the tables were set up and he was, I mean, it was Sunday afternoon. We were already tired uh, we came in, and he was he was in there in the middle of the day, Sunday afternoon, picking all those tables up and putting them away himself. Nobody in the church had helped him take care of it the night before. Uh, we immediately came in. I said, boys, you go help him. 
You go help put all those tables up. So immediately, I've got six kids. Come on. I sent my arrows out, <laughs> and uh, we had those tables picked up in a matter of a few minutes. And I know it was a blessing and encouragement to that pastor. But there's little things like that. I know Brother John has said that when he went out, oftentimes he'd offer because he's a good electrical experience. Is there anything here that I could help you with concerning that? Um, but, you know, predominantly most missionaries, when they come in, their their primary means of being a blessing to that church is just looking to to minister any way they can, whether it's in a Sunday school yes. uh, class or a children's church, soul winning, um, just get involved any way you can to be a blessing. Uh, we've we've done all kinds of things in, in various churches. And really, when we come in, it's just kind of, Pastor, what do you want us to do? How can we help you? We just want to be a help to you. And and they'll they'll let you know, you know. Um, you know, for us, my wife and children sing almost everywhere we go. That helps. Um, my wife sometimes will teach a ladies' uh, a class or meeting if that's something that's going on that they'd like. And then they use us in all kinds of different various ways, and we let them know ahead of time, whatever you would like for us to do to be a blessing, just let us know, we'll do it. And of course, we've served in almost any type of ministry you can think of through the years we've been in the ministry. You were a pastor uh, for those seven years. You would have missionaries in? Yes. How large of a missionary outreach did you have within that church? So, you know, our church wasn't huge. We ran probably 50 to 100 people, um, and it was up and down the entire time that we were there. Um, so I think we had about uh, between 30 and 40 missionaries. Wow, um, that's good. And um, I'm not sure what it's at now with with the, uh, the new man that's come in to be my pastor, uh, but I think it's close around that. And, um, you know, I, I always have the mentality, some guys, some pastors don't um, don't invite a guy in with the intent to support him. Um, but I always would research the guys. I would pray about who I was going to have in. And if I had them in, I was intending to, on supporting them unless I saw some sort of glaring era that I thought really would, would hinder them or saw something doctrinally wrong. Um, and so... So we aimed at it from that perspective that, you know, we were going to be a blessing to them. We were going to help them the best we could when they came through and we were going to support them. And usually I would vote them on before they left because I wanted to be an encouragement to them. Show them right there. Yeah. I wanted to show them right there. Hey, we're behind you. Um, We didn't invite you in here to just play games. Uh, We want to be behind you and support your ministry. You know, as a a missionary out on deputation, which is what, your second, third time? This is our second time. Second time. (laughs) Hopefully it'll never be a Maybe third time. Yeah, <laughs> but but now last night you were at BBC Fairbanks. Yes, sir. You and your wife, you just got done preaching and the church vocally, the whole church took you guys on for support. Yes, sir. How does that make you feel? As a as a missionary, it always feels tremendous, you know, because it's automatic confirmation. I've been a blessing to this church. I've been a help to this church so much so that they are already ready to say, "Hey, you're our missionary." And we're, we're behind you. We're in this thing with you. We're going to co-labor with you to get the gospel to the area that God has called you to go. Now, he was just to Malawi. Maybe he can talk a little bit about the, the trip and how it affected him. You want to go back to the car thing? No. <laughs> I wanted to—before we jump off into that, <laughs> being a missionary, then being a pastor, I'm only—I'm really hammering on this because, I mean, the guys that are out there— beating their head against the walls and the way they approach it. You don't see in, in works today. Uh, when I was on deputation, we we're talking back um, early 2000 and it was, it was, I'm the missionary. You gotta love me. And, uh-huh. and it's just the way that they bumped into a lot of realms and, 
you know, you, you know, I, I'm special because I'm a missionary. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that. And it, it's changed because you're you're 40 years old. Yes, sir. You're different generational wise too. Mm-hmm. mindsets. Their approach. It's hard to find missionaries with a with a servant's heart walking in saying this is a ministry. It, uh-huh. it, it deputation was always approached as a speed bump to get to where I have to get to. Yeah, I mean, so that, and you know that's one of the things that I see needs to change. And so I guess my question to you would be: How does God bless you? How long were you on deputation, and how much were you able to raise? You would have a greater insight in this because you you've been on both sides of this mm-hmm. coin. Um, Not the hammer, you know. He, some guys don't want to get into specifics and, yeah. and the dollar figures, but there's some guys out there listening to this stuff, and you know this is worth it. This yeah. So it. It, uh, the first uh, time we did deputation, we went to Ukraine, uh, but I was green behind the ears. Come I mean, on, there was so much I needed to learn. Sure, uh, God knew it. Um, it's funny how He knows okay. these things. So <laughs> it really was a lot of what we went through was preparatory, but it took us a day or two under two years. Uh, to raise our full support to go to Ukraine. Full support being? Um, at that time, we were only raising, and that was just for me and Jessica, because we had no kids. We weren't able to have kids until she got pregnant right before we went to Ukraine. Um, and so I think we were trying to raise around $4,000, and that was it. $4,000 mm-hmm. in two years. Yes. And um, you were able to do that. We were able to do that. Um, and this time, our support needs, because of, inflation and everything that's gone up. And of course we've got six children now. Cool. Uh, we've got a full ministry. We're taking over. It's close to double that. It's about 7,500 and we're, we're up there real close to the amount that we're needing to, to get to, you know, and how long have you been on deputation? So, um, we're, we're almost at 90% now and we've been on deputation just a little over a year. So it's going to be a year and just a couple months. That in itself <laughs> speaks volumes. Yeah. <laughs> Allow me to be excited about that. Allow me to tell it's God. Guys, that's they, what it is. It's hundred percent God, but you went in there with a servant's heart, right? And that servant heart, servant's heart has been blessed. Well, and God I think guys, that. God's not me, looking for people thank, to be somebody; they're looking for somebody to make much of Jesus and and just be a servant. Did you find on the mission field that I know for myself, I got done. I was eight years in the village of Caltech, and small people, small village of people, and. When I was done, when God opened closed doors, mm-hmm. here I am, still serving Him. I, I I found God really working on me more than He was the ministry. Well, how do you say that? You know, I don't know how to put God, it in words. God um, God directs people for a reason and a purpose, and we don't always understand things in the moment. You know, when we left Ukraine, we didn't understand what God was doing. Come on, I mean, we went there saying, "Bury our heart on the mission field." Yep, we thought we were going to die there. Um, we thought. That this is it. This is what God has for our our ministry. And I, you know, I even had another um, man that was questioning me. He said, "Well, what do you think about a missionary that switches mission fields?" I said, "Well, he's not right with God." <laughs> and then God saw fit uh, to work in our situation and and cause us to need to leave the field and made it very clear that we were being directed into the pastorate. Now, I've learned through the years now that it's not my job. To say, God, this is the way it's going to be. <laughs> it's my job to say, okay, Lord, I'm your servant. And as you direct me, um, I'm going to take the path that you direct me to go on. I'm going to follow you, and I'm going to serve you with everything that I've got, where you direct me to go with what you want me to do. And and so that, for us, that involved going to Ukraine. That involved going to the pastor. And I can see what God God's doing, because I know that both of these things combined— 
is preparatory for what God's wanting us to do now in Malawi and training national pastors and starting churches there. Before I shift gears to Malawi, allow me to ask you a question. Yes, sir. Um, outreach to those people in Ukraine today? Um, so, you know, residual. Yes, um, I don't really have a whole lot of outreach to the people in Ukraine because I have no social media myself. Okay. But my wife uh, does continue to talk with a number of them, um, and she has, in fact, there's one one lady, a lady that we bought our house from, and, uh, you know, we witnessed to her a number of times. Um, she started dating one of the last, man, last, last men that I led to Christ before we left. And, um, you know, Jessica started witnessing to her. And uh, and through everything that's going, gone on, she's come to Christ. I don't know oh, whether wow. it was through our witness before or through the witness of the man we led to Christ or through Jessica's witness through the Internet. But uh, she has come to Christ, and she seems to be a very, very sweet Christian lady now. And uh, they, they, they are struggling. I mean, they are just Ooh. going through crazy things right now. And they'll call us every once in a while to try and get some encouragement. And, you know, they're... They lack spiritual fellowship. Right. You know, Christians hunger for that sweet spiritual fellowship that you get on a regular basis when you have a good church where you can attend. And I can tell uh, when they call, they're just longing for that. That works. You know, um, and I feel bad. You know, you really do, because you'd want to be able to help them more. But, but, they, but they have somebody to call. I see that residuals off of my experiences way back sure. when today. And, and so, you know, my Russian is a little bit rusty, but I'm still fluent and I can, I can communicate with them and, um, we can fully con- converse through the telephone or face FaceTime or whatever it may be. So allow me to shift gears here. You went to Malawi, you've right. been there, you've seen what you're getting into, right? Give us some highlights. <laughs> you know, and me and John talked about this a lot, but the, the poverty in Malawi is beyond our American comprehension. You know, it's something that you can talk about to your blue in the face, but you can't really understand till you see it firsthand. You know, it's easy to tell people that they make a dollar or two a day. I really, I think probably down in the area we're at, I don't know if they make anything a day. It's just they, you know, they live off of what they can grow. And people are just very extremely poor. Um, so it, it's very, very difficult to completely comprehend that till you see it. You know, here in America, you go out to the local convenience store and you buy a, a bottle of soda for like $2 on the way out the door, you think nothing of it. And they're not even making that one day. So the poverty is def- definitely, you know, something that is just hard to comprehend. You know, the, uh, the receptivity of the people is also beyond belief. Had you, no, when was the first time you were in there? I'm only saying, I'm trying to grasp the it because I know every time John goes there, he tells me numbers of people come gathering around as they were handing out oh, tracks yeah. and they just swarm. And yeah, you, just, I mean, you don't see that in, in a whole lot of areas. You know, you gotta you got to drag people to get them to come to church here in America Come on, nowadays. I mean, people are just so hard-hearted here. And in Ukraine, uh, because of the Russian Orthodox Church, it just took so much work to break through to people. You know, at the end of our tenure there in Ukraine, we had finally grown the church to about 30 in size. And that was really good for that area of the world. I mean, right. because they're just hard people to, to get through to. But, you know, we were over there and we went out soul winning. I don't know, but two times a week, right, John? Mm-hmm. And every time we went out, I mean, people were just, please come talk with us. And uh, and you'd hear that he'd hand out tracks, and you didn't have enough hands to give them out. I mean, it's like you couldn't give them out quick enough. People wanted them so badly. Um, and then you'd go, and people would say, please come talk with me. And I, you'd go sit down, and you'd start sharing the gospel with them, and and a crowd would start gathering. 
you know, to, to us here in America, that's just like, wow, you can't even, you can't even think yeah. that that could yeah. ever happen. Right. You know, you, somebody starts preaching in the square and everybody runs away, you right. know, <laughs> but you, you, you take and you start um, preaching the gospel to these people that are hungry to hear about it and, and a crowd gathers. So by the time you finish sharing the gospel, there's, you know, there's 10, 15, 20 people all there that are hungering and desiring to hear what you have to say about God. And oftentimes a good portion of that group would trust Christ as their savior. Um, and I, it, it was like that every time we went out. And usually by the time I finished with the first group, there'd already be somebody else waiting saying, well, please come to talk to us at our house. <laughs> so, you know, here in America, you got to go door to door looking for people. <laughs> When you go uh, out trying to witness in Solwyn and Malawi, they look for you. <laughs> there you go. You know, the um, sad part, Jeff, is that when when we were over there, I told him, you're going to go back to America because he's still, he's still on the deputation trail. I said, they're not going to believe you. Right. I said, right. They right. won't. Because when we were there, and we don't keep numbers, but right. many, many people right. pray many. to receive Christ their Savior. You know, that's the, let me pause that for a second because you know what happens. When you say many, many people, or say you went there and you, you had a crowd of, we, we counted it up at, at 65 people gathered around, and we had 33 hands raised for salvation. It, the first thought that goes through a lot of people's minds over here is, first, like you said, they don't believe that, really, that many people? And you, mm-hmm. you try to emphasize the fact that I have exact numbers, I counted them. And, and then the next thing is, well, did they really get saved? Well, and, and you know, <laughs> I've, like... I've had people do that, Jeff, and yeah. uh, that's why I don't, I don't keep numbers anymore. I just say many people because Legal. many people, and and I'll tell people I don't know that you're saved, and the way you're acting leads me to believe you're not. Let me... <laughs> you know, because hey, careful here, careful. <laughs> well, no, when when we over there, we really emphasize. We take about 45 minutes. I take about 45 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah. This is no shoddy gospel presentation. Yeah. You're sitting down 20, 30 minutes. I mean, really yeah, going you, through. You got to bring the them from Genesis up, man. Oh, I you mean, you're, you're getting you the whole to. stuff. I would imagine. I start at, I start at Romans 5 12, wherefore by his one man sin in the world, death by sin. So death passed upon all of men, for all have sinned. And they'll look at each other and I'll say, you know, uh, uh, my, uh, madam, have you ever told a lie? And some of them will say, no. no. <laughs> and, and the funny thing is, their friends start laughing. Go, yeah, right. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. And then she'll laugh and she'll say, yeah, I told a lie. And then we take them back to Genesis 3. And so we start at Romans 5.12, but then we take them to Genesis 3, and Build we the take foundation. them all the way through to 1 John chapter 5, verses 11, 12, and 13. And we hit many, many verses. And... You know, I give them the opportunity to pray, and I'll say, you know, I'm going to pray with you, but you don't have to say the same words as I do. This is between you and God. Right. And I said, if you don't understand, if if you're just going to do this to make, to please the missionary, or if you're just playing games with God, don't say a word. Don't pray. And I said, but use your own words between you and God. I'm just going to kind of lead you in a pattern. And and so, I'm not I'm you know I'm not the salvation Gestapo. I can't see what their heart says, but I do know one thing is that, you know, the church there at Tengani, we started with just a few people, and now we're we're running about 180 to 200 every Sunday, with 100 to 200 kids every Sunday. Wow. 
you know, because people have gotten saved and right. we've taught them the importance of church because it's the, it's by the preaching of the gospel. It's the preaching of God. Let me, let me ask you a foolish question. Sure. Is it theirs? It's in, oh, yeah. We built this. This is ours. Well, us keep it now, going. the church at the missions compound, uh, BBAM built, it right. seats about 550. I, I don't care about the, the paperwork behind it. I'm just asking the mindset, the mindset of the people. Oh, yeah. This is our church. Yeah. This is our church. Do they support missions, missionaries? No. Any plans on it? Do they understand that concept? You know, it's really hard to tell people about supporting missions when they can't support, support themselves. themselves. That has to be difficult. How do you? Well, they, they give, I mean, Brother Eric. They give what? Well, they'll give like 50, 50, generally 50 kwacha on a Sunday. And that money came from vegetables that they had in excess from their garden that they sold at the local market. How much is that? Well, right now it's 1,300 kwacha per dollar. So you can do the math. 50, Pennies. 50 kwacha. Less than a penny. Less than a penny. Less than a penny. But that being said, how much did they make all week? It's so fifty kwacha. What what percentage is that? Fifty kwacha. They may be they may be made if they're just coming off the garden, they may be made a thousand, fifteen hundred kwacha the whole week. And and you say, Well, you know, you have money coming in, but but uh you know, uh, B- BBC of Tengani uh, really, most of the money goes for benevolence for funerals because. Um, Which money are we talking about? The money that comes in as offerings and tithes. Well, when you were there, from when, the people, yeah, women were bringing. They have they take their wraps. You know, a wrap is two meters long, one right. meter wide. And they wrap them. Well, in that was they're harvesting sorghum and millet. Now here in America, we feed that to cattle and animals. There over there, they eat it because it's hot down there and that grows better than maize. And they're bringing in, you know, 10, 15 pounds of, as a tithe. Well, then we have to go to the market. Bringing in baskets of Come on. No, really. We take it to the market and we sell it and we put the money. Is that a bit off the basis that you, you taught them the value of giving? Yes. I want to say that correctly. We start with tithing out of Malachi, and then we start going into giving. But, you know, I, I, and I know I've probably been very lax about this, but, but it seems like, you know, the church just operates on a zero because Nelson, the temporary pastor, he gets no, no money. I mean, there's no paid positions at this church. Most How of is the, he supported? Well, he's supported through BBAM. And that's a long story because we had three guys from the church graduated from the Bible college. And unfortunately, once they graduated, they decided that they wanted to get paid to work within the church as, as we, we start, we, we were sending them out to villages as Bible teachers and they wanted to get paid. And we said, this is an unpaid position. They said, fine, we're not going to do it. And Nelson and I, we prayed about it and thought about it. We said, okay. And so we just stopped sending them out. But now they've repented. That was two years ago. They've repented, and now they're starting to go out. But in all reality, Brother John, you know, with the 
you know, the American mindset, we can't completely comprehend the situation of these people over there. No. And, and if they are going to pastor, they're going to have to do so being able to live off the land themselves. Yes. They're not going to get a salary even from that church. I mean, that church might be able to help them just a little bit from time to time, but they're not going to be able to pay them any type of salary so that they wouldn't have to work somewhere else. Um, so there's, there's no way, you know, I, in my mind that I could see a person in Malawi being full-time pastoring without having to have some other source of income uh, just because of the poverty of the people. It's safe to say, uh, I'll ask this question to both of you. You find asking your people to live by greater faith than you yourself? That's probably a question better for John because I've not, I've not lived there amongst the people yet. I, I've just got a glimpse of it. That's really hard for me to answer because— I'll just be bold enough to ask it. No, no, it, it's a good question because I've reflected on this many, many times. Well, I only ask that from the question, from the standpoint that uh, God's been good to me, and I've been able to give generously and tithe. I understand that concept, and I do that. God's good to us as Americans. Mm, right. And then you have people that bring in a tithe off of their corn or, or off of their maize or, or off of their— that they grow and tithe that to God there. You can't get any more down to earth than that. Mm -hmm. And it has, that's difficult for us as Americans to comprehend. And, but okay, maybe it's tough for me to comprehend. Well, and, but that's, I guess that's the question I'm asking because now you as the missionary fully funded and supported and you go in there and say, you have to educate these people, your people, God's people, to live by a greater faith, you know, I, I want to say greater faith or live. Well, by, I, 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 I don't I, think you can. So, you know, if, if we've learned to tithe and give, you know, 10% is not, um, it's not all. It's a percentage of a person's income. So whether you make a great amount or a small amount, 10% is still 10%. Yeah, but the widow's might's the widow's might. You're right, yeah, and it's that's that's the twist I'm trying to get yeah. here. That widow that gave, she gave out of her poverty, and I guess that just has to be something awesome when you see them start tithing and giving people that don't have anything. It's because they believe we teach the Bible. It, come on, and they believe, help me out. They they don't believe me; they believe the Bible. If they, that has to be encouraging beyond comprehension because every time we preach or teach or have a bible study and brother eric can attest i would always say well what does the bible say yeah i i've never wanted them to say well the missionary said this or the missionary right. thinks that you know the, who we lift up is jesus right and we lift up his word and and these people that are bringing this sorghum or millet I, i've seen chickens i've seen eggs <laughs> cabbage, tomatoes, they're just believing the Bible. You know, God says, okay, God said, I'm supposed to do this, and God's going to bless me, you there know? You and they just believe it. And The nerve. <laughs> well, and the, and the reality is, Brother John, I don't even know if, I mean, I, I didn't really think about that to, to just this moment. Do you think that the vast majority of them even understand what 10% is? They understand well, that they ought to be giving to the church, so the tithe is required, but, No, they, I mean, they do. The we've, we've taught that. Okay. You know, so educationally, they can understand yeah. what one-tenth is. Right. Okay. Because I've explained to them, if a chicken lays 10 eggs, mm -hmm. how many belong to God? One. One. Okay. If the chicken has 10 chicks and they grow up to chickens, how many chickens does God own? One. 
we've always shown them the tenth. And I suppose I've been negligent. I haven't taught them anything about faith promise because I'm just trying to get them to understand the principles of tithing. You know, it's pretty hard to teach somebody to to give when they're not tithing. And unfortunately, a lot of people give at the church, and maybe they are giving 10%, but they're not giving. I don't think they understand that concept, a lot of them. I think I think tithing is a, is a spiritual concept that comes with spiritual maturity, too. And sometimes it takes a little bit. Because I know even when we were in Ukraine, there were times we'd have people come to us and say, well, you can tithe, that's fine, because you're an American and you have money. I said, but, I, you, know, I, you know, the average Ukrainian makes 50 bucks a week, and that's much more than the average Malawian. But by American standards, that's poor. And so there were numerous times where we'd have individuals that would say things like that. But the ones that started to mature and grow spiritually, uh, they would they would give tithes uh, because they recognize that it was a biblical principle, and it's not just because you're American or Ukrainian or you have more or less money. It's because this is what God says. Yeah. Very true. Very true. It's just that they're in Malawi. They have so much religion. There's a lot of you have to. It's like an onion. You got to peel a lot of a lot of layers back to expose. So you're going over there to work with Nelson, right? Nelson Shadrach. Nelson so, Shadrach. We need to give him a shout out here. That 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 we did a podcast with him, and that that old boy's a real deal. Oh yeah, Nelson's <laughs> great. He's, Nelson. Both of those guys are just super spirited, sweet Christian men. They've got a heart for God, and they've got a desire to do a work for God. And uh, I'm they, thrilled that I'm going to get to strive together with them for the cause of the gospel. One of the things that impressed me was his biblical knowledge. I call him my walking concordance. Because <laughs> I'll be up there preaching, and I, you know, I'll say a ver- verse, I, and I don't know where it's at. I just remember the verse. I can't remember the uh, right the reference anymore. And he, he just says a reference. Or I'll say, you know, there's this verse, and I'll kind of butcher it up, and he'll, he'll quote the verse. Clean up your I, mess. I mean, weird <laughs> verses out of... You know, Amos or one of those weirdos, you know. <laughs> one of those weirdos. <laughs> um, you know, no, he, he really, it's because, um, now they, unfortunately, he does have TV in his little hut now because they got dish TV. He didn't grow up with TV. All he, all what he had was the Bible. He's not brainwashed? No. <laughs> in fact, I don't think he watches it. I think it's for his kids, which I told him he really ought to get rid of it. But, but no, he, he, he really is a walking concordance. So you you will be working under him. Well, I'll be, with working, him. I'll be working with him. With yep. him. And uh, we have to understand this. BBAM is a ministry. Okay. Right. And he is, Eric is now, we, we had a board meeting. He is the American director and he has oversight of funds that come over from America. And he works side by side with Nelson, who is the national director. Because when we registered with the Malawi government back in 2011, one of the precepts was we had to move a national into the head directorship as soon as possible. And, really? Oh, they yeah. Very specific. Oh, yeah. Very specific. So probably about, uh, you know, five years ago, we had a board meeting, you know, and there was Darcy and I and Nelson and Chadrack and Raxon Kaiwe and another man. And... I stepped down as the Malawi director. Nelson was voted the 
national director. And so now when we board meeting, he's Nelson is the national director. He's the American director. I'm down at I'm the secretary treasurer now. So what role are you still going to play in this, John? Well, the, the, my desire, and I believe God's leading, is is for us when we we're going to relocate to Texas here this week, and to start visiting churches promoting BBAM, and to go to churches that continue to support BBAM that have been, we're we're going to try to encourage the, the pastors to pray and seek God's face, and instead of just you know a lot of pastors, you know they're not going to like to hear this, but a lot of pastors are looking for excuses to dump missionaries come on yeah and so um the desire is for the funds to continue to come here to bbc of fairbanks pastor duffett has already said that they'll still be a clearinghouse they'll make sure it gets into the bank and then i'll make sure myself or stephen ramirez the missions director here at bbc to get the money over over to our bank we have a bank account bbam there in malawi and so that's our desire, and that's how I believe God's direction is that we're still we're going to be the face of BBAM. And so you know, just so kind of clarify too, and you know, and me and John have already talked about this. Everything that comes in is going to be for the ministry there. Not I'm just you. providing accountability. Yeah, there you go. Um, I'm because you know, you're fully. Funded. I'm, I'm going to be my my support is going to be there. You know, I'm raising some for ministry as well. And for my own personal needs. And so that should be taken care of when we go. And it just whatever he's able to add to that will just, you know, really a lot of times you're hindered hindered for a couple of reasons. One of them is you just don't have the finances to do something. Yes. Uh, other times it's you don't have the manpower or the people to do what you want to do. And, um, you know, God's all able to take care of that. But uh, certainly that will enable us to be able to, to expand uh, our coast, so to speak, there in Malawi and, and get more done. Let's try to wrap this up here. Um, so your wife went over with you. No, she's not been there yet. Oh, <laughs> you're not making this easy. <laughs> no kids have seen it. <laughs> no. Oh, wow. I don't know where to go with that one. <laughs> it's like, good luck. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> is she looking forward to it? What's her attitude? She, uh, in all sincerity, mm-hmm. she is looking forward to it. Uh, she's been surrendered to ministry and specifically to missions from a very young age. In fact, I was talking to John about it the other day that as a young child, she really, she felt like God was going to call her to Africa as a missionary. Later as a teenager, she had a burden for the former Soviet Union. Well, we've already served in the former Soviet Union and now God's moving us to Africa. Cool. So, um, you know, she's, she's not like, it's not, and, and it's the same with my kids. I'm not dragging my family kicking and screaming to Africa. I've got a team that's going with me that's all behind me, and they're 100% in this as well. Jessica's just got a heart to serve in the ministry. And my children, um, I think I might have shared yesterday during the services, um, each of my four older children came to us after that missions conference where God dealt with me about going to Africa. Um, And they each came to me and said, Dad, I really feel like God wants me to be a missionary to Africa. That That was well before I even shared with them that we were going. Your oldest is how old? Should be fifteen in in August. Okay, let me ask you this uh, uh-huh. as we're wrapping this up here, because we are putting together a podcast with missionary wives. Yes, sir. That's a goal because that's that's a tough one, especially what I really would like to get is I, I, oh I shouldn't say the conflict has been. Do you get the cross section 
uh-huh. already on the field, currently on the field, deputation on the field, uh, has has been on the field, uh-huh. formerly on the field, I should say. Or do you just get formerly on the field? You get form- formerly on the field, I think we might be in trouble. Because a lot of these boys, it's like, this turkey done left us out there or, or did this. And, you know, uh-huh. I just want it because it's hard. It's It has to be oh, right. complicated. Well, there's, there's a lot of missionary fallout. Um, and, you know, a lot of this is related to hardships that are put on the wife. And some of that's because husbands aren't too smart. Come on. In, uh, in how they deal with or handle their wives. And, you know, we need to have wisdom about that for sure. But I think if you were to if you were to test those groups, every subsection is going to have a little bit different things that they're battling with, that are dealing with the ones on deputation, the ones going for the first term, the ones going for the second term, the ones that have been lifers on the right. field. Um, but they're all facing what, real difficulties. I guess know? one question for your wife would, would that I would love to ask is, when she always had envisioned being a missionary's wife, on the field, were there six kids involved with that? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, her um, her uh, parents are, you know, have seven children, and she's always wanted a large family. And so I would say probably she anticipated, if she had gotten married, because I don't know, as a young girl thinking about being missions, you know, reading uh, about some of these missionaries of the past, she may not have thought about being married. I don't know. I've not asked her that question. Oh, I see. So it would have been her just that since, since we've gotten <laughs> Dragging married, you along. <laughs> she's she's made it clear she's always she always wanted a big family. So Wow. I want yeah, that that's what we're gonna try to do is reach out. So I guess my last question to you along that same line would be um your approach this second time right at it. Uh with you gonna do things a little different. So uh, my approach to what? Ministry as a whole. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So one of the, and, and part of the reason, you know, God's even directing us down there to where Brother John was at. You know, when we were in Ukraine, I was the pastor. I was the church planting pastor. And, um, you know, I, I've really, the longer I've watched missions in general, I've come to believe that one of the best opportunities uh, for missions to accomplish the most in, a, in the tenure of a, of a missionary is for him to be able to have a central location where he can operate out of, um, where he can train national men and then help them in establishing works. Um, because, you know, something could happen to us. We're not guaranteed that we're going to be able to stay there forever. You know, we're going to try to stay there as long as we can, but well, there's so many various things that could happen. Um, and I guess that's my other question to go along with that is your, your vision to expand what's currently there or to stretch your legs out past what's there, your so future. We're, we're always looking You're for the right. next church plant. <laughs> we're always looking for the next man to sure. train, the next soul to win. Sure. I mean, it's just, I know it was like that for Brother John, too. You know, always looking for the next opportunity. I think one thing I'll have to be very careful of, and, you know, I don't know how you felt about this yourself, John, but there's so many opportunities there, and really there's only so much of yourself. Um, and so you can only get involved in so much because there's just Thank not you. enough Thank time. You. And yep. you've still got to designate time to set aside for your wife, for your family, if you want to be able to stay on the mission field. Do you see that different now, specifically with your wife, different now, that's, the second time around? That's something that I have learned, not just being a missionary, but being in the ministry in general over the years. And and I'm still learning because my my tendency has always been to drift towards more service. Um, I always tend to drift towards more ministry work 
and my wife will have to say, oh, come on, Eric, you know, you're, you're getting away. We need, we need you too. You Your know? wife was bold enough to step um, out and say that. And she's, oh, it's part of good communication there within, you go. within a relationship and it needs to happen. I need it because what, what happens is if I, oh, I you're open men, men are so goal focused Come on, that we'll get, we'll get so into pursuing the goals that we have in serving Christ in the ministry and we'll leave our family in the dust if we're not careful. Yes. This is and I am look. very, very prone to doing that. And so I really need her help to rein me in once in a while and say, hey, Eric, you know, you're neglecting us. We need your time, too. And so, you know, I, I talked to Paul Chapel once. We went to a pastor's conference in Raleigh. When Uh-oh, I was he pulled out the big guns. Come on. And um, <laughs> they had to open it up for a question and answer time. And, and I, you know, I just, I had just come off the mission field. I was just getting ready to go in the pastor. And I said, I said, I said, Brother Chapel, you are so busy all the time. How, how do you manage having, doing all that you're doing and still having the right time for your family? And he said, he said, you know, the reality is, is it's a constant balancing act. You're always having to constantly balance back and forth to make sure you have the proper balance in your life because it's so easy for us to get to one side or the other. And I found that's that's very true, um, and and definitely my tendency is to err on the side of ministry if we, I'm not careful. And we don't always get it right. Right. That that's the you know it's okay. Yeah. Okay, so you're a failure at it. <laughs> now pick yourself up and do it right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I asked this the second time. Now that you're going back to the field, your approach to ministry being different, your approach to your family being different than what it would have been. You've you've definitely learned, or you know what? He's still working on me. There you to make go. Me what I ought to be. You're still and yes. God's, you know, I don't expect that I'll ever be where I need to be until I meet Jesus in glory, and He gives me a glorified body. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> He's going to keep keep working on me every step of the way. Lord willing, I'll become more and more like Jesus every step of the way. I and, think and get better as a father, as a husband, as a missionary. Amen. You know? I think for for even like John. It's it's like yeah, the mistake we get is like okay I've done my time I'm going into retire I guess I'm retiring now it's, it's just a different phase just, in your life you, okay, that's all I, that's all this is I'm changing job functions focus that's all I'm doing emphasis yeah I mean I'm still even though we're relocating to Texas we're going to find a good church we're going to serve in that church I mean both Darcy and I have been very vocal about that and um, things have just changed. You know, like the Levites, when they started their service at age of 25, God said at 50, you're done. That doesn't mean they're done with God. They're done with that aspect. They're done with that aspect, that that, right. that occupation or whatever they did that, that they did during that 25-year period. But they weren't done with God. We're not done with God, you know. And uh, so we're we're excited. I mean— you know, uh, last night here at church, somebody asked, "Are you are you sad about leaving?" No, I'm not sad about leaving because, like I said, uh, you look in the biblical principle. When God would take somebody away, He always brought somebody better. When God gave us the law, then grace came much better. John the Baptist came, but he had to decrease, and Jesus increased. And and I, again, I'm not oh, yeah, I hear I'm John you. the Baptist, I hear whatever. You. But and so I was telling those people over there, I said. You're just not going to understand what God's going to do with this ministry. I said, 
God had me involved up to this point, but now it's going to explode. I really believe it. Uh, amen. And that's, and that's that's really, it's not about John and it's not about me. No. It's all about the Lord. Yeah. And uh, you know, the Bible even gives a principle that um, I think it says, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but what? God gave the increase. Yeah. It's it's God's ministry. We just get to be a part of it. You know, we've been blessed with trying to reach out to Ukraine and stuff, and, and God has really blessed this podcast and in reaching out and helping people and helping men, uh, uh, missionaries and pastors and lay people. And I'll tell you the one thing that the Lord has really beat me up about or, or brought to my attention is, is it's increase your vision, increase your right. vision. Hey, we have such a tendency to want to just get in our groove oh, yeah. and just hang I mean, out there when God's like, man, you just get started. You know, and, and it's like that for all of us. I, I mean, but I noticed, especially as a pastor in a church, you know, the average Christian gets so comfortable in their religious rut. Right. I think. And, and, you know, they don't want to move out of that. And I've heard many preachers say, you know, rut's nothing more than a grave with the two ends knocked out. <laughs> and uh, we can all be prone to getting like that. Even as a missionary, you can get to the place in the field where it's just, you know, you're going through the daily grind of all the things you're going through and you get to just doing the routines that you know you're supposed to be doing. And it's just not, it's not the way it's supposed to be. Right. Um, and so we've got to be very careful about that. Well, thank you very much for taking the time and sharing stuff with me. If uh, people want to reach out to you, how can uh, they get in contact? Uh, well, they could email us at curtisfamilyministries at gmail.com. One more time. Uh, curtisfamilyministries at gmail.com. Or if you just type Curtis Family to Malawi, our information on the BIMI website is going to be one of the first things that comes up. They can see our video. They can sign up there for our prayer letter as well, or read any of our former prayer letters. Well, amen. Yes, that sir. works. That works. John, if you want to get a hold of John Fulford, it's info, hey. jjpodcast.com. Yep. jjpodcast.com, <laughs> or uh, full, full Fords, F-U-L-L-F-O-R-D-S, plural, at gmail.com. That works. That works. Well, thanks, guys. Appreciate amen. it. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you. Awesome. This podcast is for preachers, missionaries, and laymen. If you wish to contact us, you can reach us at jjpodcast.com or email us at info at jjpodcast.com. If you're a current missionary on the field or on deputation and have something you can share with us, please feel free to reach out to us. If you're a pastor and have some insight that you can share with these missionaries to help them, please feel free to reach out to us. If you're in a pew and have a subject you would like to have discussed, please feel free to email us at info at jjpodcast.com. That's info at jjpodcast.com.